and welcome to this Endo Life episode 92. I'm Jessica Dalfin, I'm an endo warrior and endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast isn't here to replace your current medical treatment and is here for educational purposes only. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. Um, and I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made um, and contain beautiful essential oils. And their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is doing so well right now with the endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. Um, and, you know, if you love the patches themselves you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's <laughs> the patch in a bath bomb um so you know if you're on your period or if you're in pain you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs um or one of them I don't know you could have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but um, I don't have a bath, so I can't. But if you have a bath, um, then, you know, I think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain. So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk, and you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. Hi guys, I hope you are safe and well. Um, today's episode is sort of a continuation from an episode that I did on caffeine and endometriosis ages ago. Um, and at the time I was somewhere in the middle of my women's health coach training. But now I've revisited it as a health coach, um, you know, endometriosis specialist health coach. And I did a live on it in my Facebook group because our challenge this month is um, reducing our caffeine intake. I wasn't going to share this. And then I listened back to it and I was like, actually, um, there's some new information. There's some new data and research that I haven't mentioned in the last one on caffeine and there's like new tips as well. And I just thought that um, for those of you who haven't listened to that episode, um, this is, you know, going to be helpful and interesting. And for those of you that have listened to the, the other episode on caffeine, this is sort of a extension and add on a continuation. So, um, yeah, I just thought, you know what, actually, it's got good information and um, I'd probably be doing a disservice if I didn't share it. So um, this is a recording from Facebook, so the quality is not as strong. Um, and yeah, I hope it's really useful for you. In other news, loads of you have reached out to me about your SIBO struggles or thinking that you might have SIBO or recognising your symptoms please do not worry, I'm going to be doing an episode on um, testing for SIBO and an episode on treatment for SIBO. I passed my exam last Sunday. Um, was it last Sunday? No, it wasn't. It was Sunday before. And yeah, I'm eager to get stuck in. My test results came back 
last Friday and if you follow me on Instagram you'll know that I tested positive for hydrogen and methane type SIBO and I suspect that hydrogen sulfide SIBO is also present as well because I have 90% of the symptoms. Um, so at the moment I haven't had any time to actually <laughs> look at any of my own um, stuff so I'm going to um, look into you know decide what treatment route that I'm going to take and um, whether I'm going to treat for both hydrogen, SIBO and the other two or if I'm just going to focus on the other two and then retest and see if I can work out whether hydrogen SIBO is, hydrogen sulfide type SIBO is present. Yeah, I mean, I'm at this point now where I really think that we should be screening for SIBO when someone gets a diagnosis with endometriosis. I really do. Um, my clients... Everyone who's had a test come back so far, it's been positive and it has been such a relief for them. And um, I think for some of them, it's been even more of a relief than their endo diagnosis was. And I just I just think SIBO has been responsible for so many things in, in my life. And I think I've been suffering with SIBO since I was a child. And I think so much of my life would have been different without that without it and I wish I had been diagnosed then you know years and years ago um certainly would have saved me from uh you know being plagued by an eating disorder and all of the other things that came with that and all of the other symptoms that came with SIBO um like the crippling anxiety that comes with the kind of toxins that SIBO release it um really affects the brain so anyway I'm going to do a um, episode on the testing and the treatment and um, there will be discussions about SIBO and anxiety, whether it's in those episodes or whether it's in like the interviews that I do. But um, either way, more is coming. So, um, you know, don't worry, I'm going to do an episode on, on all of that. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to dive into this even more. I think that SIBO is going to become quite a prominent part of what I do at this endo life because it's just so, so prevalent in our community. And I look back and I think how it's affected my life and how it's affected my clients' lives. And I think it has the potential to be as damaging as endometriosis um, to our well-being and our quality of life and, and so much. So, um, yeah, I just really want to bring that to the forefront and I really think that it needs to be um, looked at. I, I think endometriosis needs to be looked at as a whole picture, not just endo on its own, but like um, SIBO, interstitial cystitis, and a couple of over, uh, over? other overlapping conditions. I really think we need to stop treating endo in isolation um, and start looking at the whole body. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to give you guys an update and let you know that more stuff is coming on that. Um, because so many of you have got back to me. Um, and yeah, so let's get to um, today's episode on caffeine. I hope it is helpful for you and I will see you next week. Um, so this month's challenge is all about caffeine and I've been waiting a while to bring it up even though I really wanted to because I know it's just such a challenge and um, for some people removing caffeine is just out of the question. Um, but I felt it was about time, we're in May, 
Um, so we've been doing the challenge for a while now and you've been learning different tips and techniques. Um, and I just felt that it was relevant because caffeine increases our anxiety levels and we don't need that right now. Um, it affects our stress response and makes our stress response um, less effective, makes us feel more stressed. So um, given what we're going through, I just felt it was best to talk about it. And also um, reducing caffeine reduces the chances of a flare up. So I just feel like at the moment, probably drinking loads of caffeine is gonna have a negative effect on our health. So um, I wanted to talk about that this month. So, um, just to give you a bit of my experience so that you know that you're not alone. Um, I love coffee. I wish I didn't. Um, I never used to like it. And then when I was working at a magazine, um, I was doing an internship. Um, my friend was used to get a hazelnut latte from Starbucks, which now I understand like was probably not a good example of a, of a nice coffee but at the time it smelled amazing but I just didn't like the taste and then she left and as a sort of like I missed her and I missed the smell of her having a coffee in the mornings so I had one and that was the end of my caffeine free life and um it has been an ongoing battle for me ever since and it's probably giving up caffeine has probably been my biggest struggle with changing my diet for endometriosis and i've not i drink decaf now but i don't drink it throughout the month so what i do is i drink decaf coffee um at the weekends i have like one or two um from a good place from a coffee shop chris makes it every day at home but i don't really have that with him because I want to have a really good coffee experience. For me, um, it's not just about the taste of coffee, it's the experience and going to a coffee shop and just spending time with my boyfriend. It's one of the things that we really connect on. And so literally our favorite thing to do in the world is go to coffee shops. And when we go on holiday, we literally will find where the coffee shops are before we've even landed, like literally months in advance. So for me, those are um, special like kind of times. So I'll have a good decaf coffee from somewhere that serves good decaf coffee, um, maybe on a Saturday or a Sunday or both, depending if for some reason we've gone to coffee shops two days in a row. And I'll only do that in my follicular phase and in my ovulatory phase. So for anyone who's still kind of learning the ropes of your cycle, your the first day of um, your period, is day one of your cycle when you finish bleeding you're moving into the follicular phase follicular phase is the development of the eggs the follicles ready for ovulation the ovulation is when the egg erupts from the ovary and is when you can get pregnant and then when the egg breaks down and fertilization hasn't happened then you move into your luteal phase which is um the phase before your period and so that's when we get the pms so um, I will have decaf coffee in my follicular and ovulatory phases because they're th the furthest away from my period. And the reason why is because even when I have decaf coffee, I still feel the impact on my period because most decaf coffee, in fact, probably all, I, I 
I don't think I've ever heard of a decaf coffee having no caffeine at all, but it still has a level of caffeine in it because it's not that it's grown without caffeine. It's just that the caffeine is like rinsed off or chemically rinsed off. So if you're going to get a decaf coffee at home, by the way, go for an organic one um, so that they haven't used that chemical process because chemical process is pretty harmful and we want to just reduce your exposure to toxins in general. So um, yeah, so I have like a decaf coffee, special decaf coffee, kind of those times. And then recently um, I bought this instant. I don't normally like, we never have instant coffee in the house, but um, it was really weird. I just kept seeing it. I've seen it for years and I was like, I just want to try it. I don't know why. Um, so it's organic by Clipper decaf um, instant coffee. It's actually really nice. It tastes like an instant, but like a really good instant. And um, we've had it in. I just wanted to try it. And actually, Chris has had most of it because he's been getting off caffeine because he drinks up to like four cups of coffee a day. And um, so this has helped him get off coffee. He has like one caffeinated coffee in the morning and now he just has this. And it's been really easy. Um, I've seen him try and do it before and it's usually like terrible, but he's it's he's managed really well. Um, so... I just wanted to say that this is an option and yeah occasionally like if I'm just for some reason really craving it then I'll have like a, this now that I've got it in the house um but not normally and not near my period so that's what I do and I've struggled recently um with not so much in the past like a few weeks but when Covid first hit for some my I wanted comfort and in my mind cup of tea was comfort because that's what it was when I was growing up and so I had more tea than I normally would and I felt the impact in my period, I felt the impact in my sleep, um, my bladder was painful so uh, for me it's very clear, it's very black and white the difference between not having caffeine and having caffeine. So for you guys I wanted to give you, you know, if you've read the email then you're going to know but some of you prefer to like learn visually so a couple of reasons why caffeine is problematic firstly it has been associated with higher links to and um, higher rates of endometriosis high risk of endometriosis that's still up for debate so um it's sort of inconclusive at the moment um now caffeine spikes our blood sugar oddly enough um even though it's got no um caffeine in it it uh, sugar in it, it spikes the blood sugar. So if you remember from our, I think it was a couple of challenges ago where we did all of the, the lesson on um, blood sugar, having blood sugar spikes causes spikes in inflammation. Higher inflammation or chronic inflammation, if you're spiking your blood sugar all the time, leads to higher levels of pain. Your endometriosis is an inflammatory disease. Um, it makes its own inflammation. The body creates inflammation in response to the disease. Literally, it's an inflammatory disease. If you add more inflammation to this disease, you are literally adding like wood to the fire, right? You're like stoking the fire. So higher blood sugar levels, higher inflammation. Um, and also higher blood sugar levels end up causing a block on sex hormones, especially progesterone. So then our progesterone lowers and we have estrogen dominance so we have the symptoms of low progesterone which is like anxiety fatigue spotting irregular periods and then you have the symptoms of estrogen dominance which are painful periods heavy periods um 
really bad PMS mood swings. It's quite a few. Um, so clearly we don't want that. Um, secondly, caffeine is an inflammatory for many of us. It's not for all of us. It, it actually is, depends on our genes, but it is for many of us. It totally is for me. I can definitely tell that. Um, and the problem with inflammation is it causes high levels of pain. It causes brain fog. It causes fatigue. It causes depression. It causes anxiety and it causes chronic diseases as well. Um, Caffeine has been shown in studies to contribute to cysts in ovaries and cysts in breasts. So if you have polycystic ovary syndrome as well as endometriosis, which is quite common, um, or you just generally have some cysts in your ovaries and they're painful, or you have endometriomas, which are those chocolate cysts, those cysts filled with sacs of endometriosis, then having caffeine may encourage their growth. Um, interestingly enough, I have definitely been having more caffeine, like I said, with the tea since the COVID thing kicked off. And I have felt like a lot more activity around my left ovary. And I have cysts, but they're never a problem, really. Um, but they feel like a problem at the moment. And I'm wondering if it has been to do with the caffeine. So that's something. Um, caffeine overburdens the liver. So to your body, caffeine is a toxin, right? It's a drug, it's a chemical, um, and your liver needs to filter it out. It takes quite a lot of work for your liver to filter out the caffeine. And as a result, the liver puts things that aren't as threatening on the back burner, and one of those things is estrogen. So your liver is partially responsible for getting rid of estrogen. Estrogen gets put on the back burner because you're having a lot of caffeine and that needs to be filtered out. And so as a result, you have more estrogen filtering through your body because the estrogen is building up and eventually it gets reabsorbed, reabsorbed and circulates back through the body. So you have excess estrogen again. Um, the stimulation like that caffeine causes in our body that makes us feel more of that mimics the flight or fight response. So um, heart rate is in increased breathing rate is increased, um, alertness is increased, and it can feel like anxiety. So if you suffer with anxiety, then this is going to be, you know, caffeine is going to make you feel worse. And oh my gosh, if I have caffeine, or even if someone serves me accidentally um, a caffeinated coffee, I can tell the difference because my anxiety, like my, my heart rate just starts going up, my breathing starts going funny, I get the palpitations. So um if you are struggling with anxiety with your endo, then that's something to consider. Um, caffeine is also an anti-nutrient. So what that means is it actually doesn't add nutrients. For sure, caffeine has actually got a lot of antioxidants in, but it takes so much from us. Caffeine, um, and that's coffee, not caffeine, right? So coffee has antioxidants in, but caffeine isn't, you know, caffeine itself doesn't have the antioxidants. And caffeine, actually, because it takes so much for our body to process it, takes nutrients away from us especially the b vitamins and the b vitamins are essential sorry this most but um the b vitamins are essential for healthy hormones so we're depleting a bit like the pill when you take the pill it depletes nutrients caffeine is doing that as well um caffeine can also aggravate the gut there are some studies saying that caffeine can help the gut 
Um, I think it probably depends on your body, but caffeine can stimulate the contractions that create a bowel movement, so it can it can cause diarrhea. So if you struggle with diarrhea already with your endo or cramping in your bowels or gas, then caffeine can probably worsen that. Um, caffeine can also aggravate IBS symptoms. Um, if you've got stomach ulcers from stress, can affect those, and it can also affect the gut microbiome. And we need a healthy gut microbiome to um, eliminate old excess estrogen, hormones, toxins, and also to make sure that our hormones are balanced. So without healthy gut microbiome, our hormones can often be out of whack as well. Caffeine, interestingly enough, I learned about this recently, has been linked to infertility. So if you're struggling with infertility, you might want to consider the role that caffeine is playing there. Um, I don't know the reason why it's been linked to infertility, infertility and it might just be that at the moment it might be a link i wonder if it's because it spikes blood sugar and it builds up it causes a buildup of estrogen i wonder if we have a situation where there's low progesterone which makes it harder for us to conceive as a result of high blood sugar um and estrogen dominance so that's something that um will be interesting to see how that sort of unveils over the next few years Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in, so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, managing endometriosis naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, If you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. So those are kind of the, you know, the key reasons um it essentially it messes with your hormones it causes feelings of anxiety um oh and another one sorry it affects your sleep quality dramatically so caffeine has a half life of five to seven hours so what that means is that half of the caffeine that you drunk will be out of your system in seven hours time the other half will still be in there so if you drunk um a coffee at like Three in the afternoon because you had that dip when you're going to bed half of that coffee is still going to be in your system circulating and it's going to affect your quality of sleep you might still fall asleep you might but if you struggle from insomnia you probably aren't um or it's going to affect that quality of your sleep you're not going to be sleeping deeply you're not going to get that restorative sleep so um we've already touched upon sleep in past challenges we know why sleep is so important for healing with endometriosis and balanced hormones but um you know caffeine can affect our hormone levels can affect our mental health can affect our overall health it can affect our fertility um and it can actually increase the rate of the cysts growth in our body so there's a lot of reasons why we want to be cautious around caffeine now that's not to say to go cold turkey or that you can't have it ever like I said, I still have decaf coffee. I make sure that I have a good one and it's delicious and I just don't have it a lot. Um, and I really make the most of the times that I have it. 
Now, um, cutting out caffeine gradually is probably the best option because when you cut out caffeine um, in like one go, cold turkey, it tends to create withdrawal symptoms and you're gonna feel tired, you're probably gonna feel like you've got the flu, you're gonna feel really angry, irritable, and you might have a headache and it's just not gonna be good for your body. That's gonna stress your body as well. So if you are trying to cut down on your coffee, here are a few ideas for you. Um, if you drink multiple cups a day, try bit by bit switching out those cups. So you might want to start with, so say you drank four cups of coffee a day, start with your latest one in the day so that your sleep is less and less affected over time. So say you start, like say your last cup of coffee is like four o'clock in the afternoon, switch from a normal coffee or a normal cup of tea and try green tea. Green tea still has caffeine in it, but it releases it over a much steadier period of time rather than those sharp spikes in caffeine. So hopefully it's not gonna have as much of an effect on your blood sugar. So go for something like matcha um, and then after that, do that for a week or do that for two weeks and then switch to half caffeinated to half caffeinated. So you might go back to, um, you know, um, half, how could you do that with matcha? You probably couldn't. You'd probably have to do like half a scoop of caffeinated coffee and half a scoop of caffeine, um, decaf coffee. So you're kind of getting your body used to it bit by bit. Um, and then once you have made that full transition to a decaf drink or at that four o'clock time slot, then you would move to your earlier one, which maybe that was two o'clock. So then you go through that process and you get off that one and then you go to the 11 o'clock, you know? And so it might be that you keep to a caffeinated coffee in the morning or a caffeinated tea in the morning, but try to keep it before 10.30 a.m. because that gives enough time for most of the caffeine to get out of your system. Um, ideally, we want to swap to decaf if we can, but if you really need that caffeine first thing, then have it before 10.30. So that's one way, if you're having multiple, do it gradually, swap it out for um, less intense caffeinated drinks and then swap to decaf. The other thing you can do is exactly the same principle, but if you're just having like one coffee a day, it might be, you could do it more quickly. So if you're having a caffeinated coffee, um, you could go, so say you have like two scoops of coffee, um, go for like a quarter of that serving is decaf. So you've got two scoops, so half of that scoop is decaffeinated, the rest is caffeinated. Do that for a week, get your body used to it. The next week, go for one scoop that's caffeinated, one scoop that's decaffeinated. The week after, three, one and a half scoops is decaffeinated and half a scoop is caffeinated. And just go for it. That would take you like a month to do. And then eventually, when it's all decaf and you're, you're, you're used to it being decaf, you might want to swap to another completely caffeine-free caffeine drink that's not, you know, not decaf, it's absolutely caffeine-free. And what I suggest for that is trying something like my lion's milk recipe, which is in my book. You've got, all of you have the link um, to that for free. Um, that's in the email and it's in the most recent challenge post to download that. And I'll just show you what I use. So this is organic 
um, chicory root um, and chicory is actually really good for our liver um, so it's instant it's organic and um, so I add two, two teaspoons of this and then I add these mushrooms so these mushrooms lion's mane has been shown to improve um cognitive function memory concentration and focus so i always use this this has been amazing for my brain fog. um cordyceps so cordyceps deliver more oxygen to your brain and body so i find that it really helps me to wake up so i add these two then i add on it depends on like what's going on in my bladder but um i might add a little bit of raw cacao which has a tiny bit of some some cacao has caffeine not all of it um it's really hard to tell which one does but maybe go by how you're feeling um but caffeine uh, cacao is stimulating it's sort of antioxidant so it gives you and it gives you a feel good boost as well um so i add a little bit of cacao depending on how my bladder is and then i add some cinnamon because uh, cinnamon balances your blood sugar and then I add a tiny little bit of coconut oil to um, balance my blood sugar in the morning and then boiling water. Um, and then I add some oat milk and it is delicious. So the recipe for that is in my book. Um, and the other thing you could do is roasted dandelion coffee or roasted chicory like this one, but you can get like a ground version and do it in a cafetiere. The things that I would look out for with those is that you're not buying one that already has coffee, um, coffee in it because what I've noticed is these like coffee replacements are often coffee mixed with chicory or dandelion or mushrooms and it's not actually without the coffee so just read the back and make sure because I've had a lot of clients assume something's not got caffeine in it and then it, it's still got coffee in it so roasted dandelion or chicory I've seen on Pinterest a lot of roasted dandelion um coffee recipes I really want to try it um I just had a bad experience with dandelion coffee and I've just not gone back to it but um I think I just made it wrong so I need to go back to it because I know a lot of people love it um now if you really can't get off the caffeine then there's a couple of things to help reduce the impact of it never drink it on an empty stomach reason being is if you have caffeine first thing in the morning your blood sugar is going to spike and it's just going to put you on that roller coaster for the rest of the day secondly add fat to slow down the absorption of the caffeine so you have less of a reaction it's less harsh on your body um and it doesn't create such a blood sugar spike so you could do that by following the um bulletproof coffee recipe um he adds grass-fed butter and um mct oil obviously most you know many of us are avoiding dairy um if you're not avoiding dairy go for an organic grass uh pasture raised um butter um, and he also uses mct oil so mct oil is essentially coconut oil so you could use coconut oil or mct oil um which you can get in health shops um or you could add some collagen. You can make like a collagen latte, um, an organic collagen, ideally, or just you know, really good quality one. Um, and another thing you could do to add fat is do like a cashew latte, like 
blend up your own cashew milk, like one or two tablespoons of cashew, so it's really creamy, and then blitz that with your coffee, so you've got really frothy latte and you've got some fat in there. I would add a little bit of coconut oil as well. Um, so if you add some fat, um, or protein to slow down that release, then that's gonna make you a bit more stable and have less of an impact on your blood sugar and less of an impact on your hormones as a result. Um, a couple of things that I thought might help you guys is, um, so my boyfriend drinks coffee all the time. He has it in the house all the time. And a few things that have helped me, I've moved my like healthy drinks away from his coffee cupboard because Otherwise, I'm just like literally seeing my kryptonite all the time, the thing that I love all the time, and I'm just reminded of that. Um, he, we drink our drinks at the same time in the morning, which is sometimes challenging, um, but I am sort of used to the smell now. I'm not kind of having it. Occasionally, I'll have like a tiny little sip and then give it, you know, um, and yeah, then give it back to him. But um, I think what could be helpful if, is if you don't sit down and, and drink a coffee or a cup of tea with your partner in the morning or with your flatmates or whoever you live with um if you don't do that then that's clearly not going to be a problem but if it is um and you're happy to change your routine maybe it's that like when they're making their coffee if it's really going to bother you you jump in the shower and then you have your drink afterwards or or the other way around so that you're avoiding that you know that smell because the smell of coffee is just like ugh, i don't know it just kills you um so that's something you could do definitely moving your drinks away from where that stuff is it's always really helpful if you can just not have it in the house then i think that's the best thing to do if i could not have coffee and tea in the house then i wouldn't but chris has changed everything for me but coffee is literally his most favorite thing in the world and so is a cup of tea. So um not gonna ask him to take that away. But I am thinking about um getting them to be moved somewhere that I don't know where they are because like I said, that tea has been it's not a crutch. I mean I've, I've probably, you know, had it like, I don't know, three like the most three times a week or something during COVID, but that's too much for me. It doesn't work for my body, it puts me in pain. So now I'm trying to get out of that habit. It's really hard seeing it in the house. So I'm thinking about asking him to just move it somewhere that I don't know where it is. Um, one thing, it depends on the type of person you are, but um, we learn about this kind of concept of don't try, do. So don't try comma do so like when you're trying something you're like oh i'm gonna try but it's it's kind of like not a full commitment so if you say i'm going to like i am the person who doesn't drink coffee then you're making that commitment to it you're telling you're you're telling your brain no i'm committed to this whereas if you're saying i'm gonna try and give up coffee then there's that room for drinking coffee right um so it's up to you it depends on how you work some people prefer that kind of black and white all or nothing kind of approach so it's totally up to you um then there's this something else called like the 100 rule and i thought this was really really helpful for me with a couple of things instead of like 
saying, oh, I'm only just gonna drink coffee on special occasions or where I really, really want it. You could have an approach where it's like, I don't drink coffee 100% of the time during the week or 100% of the time when I'm in my luteal phase and my menstrual phase. And so like, there's no question of it. And the guy who coined this term, can't remember who he is, but he was saying for him, he was trying to give up McDonald's and um, he let, he was like, I can have, I can have McDonald's on a special occasion, something like that. And every day he would drive past McDonald's on the way home. He'd be like, is today the day? Is today the day? Am I going to have McDonald's? And he was just always thinking about the McDonald's. And then he would easily like rationalize to himself like oh yeah this is the day i'm gonna have mcdonald's and then he'd do it again and again so in the end he actually said 100 percent of the time i've never had mcdonald's and then that was it the decision was made but you don't obviously it's totally up to you what you decide your 100 percent is but it could be that in a certain period of time you have a 100 percent kind of guidance guideline or boundary that you have around caffeine so you know my 100 percent is around um my mutual and my follicular phase um although obviously like I've fallen off that a couple of times, but um, that's, you know, I know about it in the end uh, with my period. Um, the other thing that I really like to do is savour the work at moments. And what I mean by that is, for me, is a decaf coffee that's instant, that's like on a random Wednesday afternoon that I'm having because I just sort of fancied it. Is that worth it? And is that worth what it might pause for me during my period versus going for a really lovely Sunday morning brunch with my friends or partner um, in my favourite coffee shop and having a really well-made decaf coffee and savouring every moment. So that concept of savouring, you know, the worth it moments. And so you're not stripping the things you love out completely but they are moments that you cherish and they're moments that are special and they don't happen every day. Um, and then the last tip I would say is align into your cycle. So if you really can't get off the caffeine, can you find out when you respond to caffeine better or worse um, and align it to your cycle? So for me, I can have a decaf coffee in my obligatory follicular phases, but I can't have it in my luteal and my menstrual phases. So can you work out the times that you respond better to it? I know some of you have really painful ovulation, so that might be a time when you don't have coffee. So that would be more about tracking your, um, your cycle and working out when your symptoms are at their best and when they're at their worst and um, kind of going around that and matching your coffee intake to to when you're feeling better um i hope this was helpful i hope that the challenge is going well for you oh look up like adaptogenic lattes look up moon milks look up turmeric lattes you could also even have like a hot, um, healthy hot chocolate if you need a bit of a boost i find that having a healthy hot chocolate is really helpful um I don't have any sugar in it. I use raw cacao, I use nut butter, I use lion's mane and cordyceps. Um, and that's about it. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world 